before we sit down, can you just um, declare the word of understanding? Say, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Say this evening, the word of God is coming to me. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. The name of Jesus Christ. Just can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Tell the person you are very wise. Greet somebody else. Tell the person you are very, very wise. All right, take your seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe you give me an amen again. All right, quickly open your Bibles to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. We want to begin from there today. Last time we began to speak about um, the praise of God. I, I wanted to start that last time, but I was not able to because other things we had to talk about. So I said I'll continue today. But what I began with last time, which I was able to uh, do, was to let us know that prayer can be continuous. It's something we do continually. Prayer is continuous. It's something we do all the time. I think that's the most important thing that I think the Lord has helped us to do in this our school of prayer that we've been doing for some time. So for Christians to know that the most potent time that you pray is not usually the time you set out to pray. It's those times that you just speak out of the conviction of your heart. All right, That is when you are actually releasing a lot of spiritual power. I said last time that many people are praying, but their lives don't correspond with what they are saying. There are words that they speak of the time of prayer is negating what they said during the season of prayer. James called it double-mindedness. And such a person, the Bible says, cannot receive anything from the hand of God. So if we are going to be praying, we must realize that it's not only the time we kneel down at the foot of our bed and we start saying prayers to God. You know, you start with, let's start with worship. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving. We must understand that Christianity is different from Judaism. Christianity is different from Islam. Christianity is different from every other religion on this earth. Christianity is a life you live constantly. That is, God does not understand in Christianity entering his gates with thanksgiving. He expects you to be inside his cause constantly with thanksgiving and with praise. If you are entering the gate, where are you coming from? I don't know whether you get my point. <laughs> that is the way. That's how God looks at it. We are entering his gates. Where are you going? If I, who told you to leave the gate? All right? For us as believers, we dwell, you know, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That's where we dwell. We don't enter the gates. We are already inside. We must understand that. So it's not as if we want to approach God. Let's start thanking him first so that he will be able to listen to us. That's not what Christianity is. The way we pray as believers is that prayer is our lifestyle. Prayer is when we are sleeping. Prayer is when we are awake. Prayer is when we are eating. Prayer is something we do constantly. So like I said last time, we cannot even joke about certain things because we expect that every word we, that comes out of our mouth, Jesus said every careless word, you will give account. So it's not everything. You just open your mouth and be joking about. Do your jokes in such a manner that if you were to be taken literally, it will, be, it will still be a blessing to you. It will still be a blessing to somebody else. Do you understand my point? We said last time that God cannot lie. It's not a matter of moral discipline. God cannot lie. It's an incapacitation as a result of inherent ability. That if he opens his mouth and says, um, rain is not falling. Even though you ran in the rain to get here. When he says, rain is not falling. The rain will disappear. You look at your clothes to be dry. Are you getting my point? Exactly. You are the one that was lying. Why is it it was raining? <laughs> you are the one telling lies. When God said it's not raining, he means it's not raining. 
When he said to Abraham, the father of many nations, I have made you. If Abraham lies, let him die like that. That's his problem. His word. You understand? That's how it's recorded in heaven. God doesn't reckon primarily what you have seen on the earth. He reckons what he has said in the heavens. It is your duty to now make sure those things come to pass on the earth. With your words, your prayers, your lifestyle, you live in such a manner what God said in the heavens. All right? Who come to pass on the earth? God cannot lie. We said that. All right, so we Christians must understand that. We looked at the illustration last time of the Lord Jesus. When we're talking about have the faith of God. From that Mark chapter 11, what happened? He just spoke, I, I, I beg to use the expression last time, a careless word. All right, I just, just to borrow the expression. He just used a careless word. That is, that's if it's us doing it. For him, it was not careless. But just, he just said something he did not plan to say. He said something because he was responding to a situation and we saw what happened. He looked at the tree. No one will eat of your fruit again. And that's it. The tree died there. That's why let me say to you, be careful. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I've started again. Yes, let me start. I'm helping people. The Lord is good. Satan is all around. Satan is all around. Your friend today is your Satan tomorrow. Peter. Simon Peter. Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my father who is in heaven. Instantly, that is, a short while later. Jesus said, now that you have understood that, let me tell you something else. Then Satan began to reveal things to the same Peter. The same one that the Father in heaven just revealed something to now. Next moment, he opened his mouth. Who was he speaking for? Satan. Why? Because he didn't understand the purpose of God. He now turned and said, none of these bad things will happen to you. Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. What am I going to say? Satan is everywhere. Satan is everywhere. Satan is in scientific statements. Satan is in economic projections. Satan is in every page of the newspapers that you read. Satan is on the web. What do I mean by Satan? Things that are always trying to entice you to say something different from what you are supposed to say. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Always trying to entice you to say something different from what you are supposed to say. If he says, I mean, the, the word of God says you should talk like this, Satan will persuade you. And you don't know he's Satan. You know, that's one thing about Satan people don't understand. He doesn't come badly dressed. Satan dresses better than most righteous people that you know. I doesn't always wear bad clothes. Satan sometimes will wear very up-to-date, sexy, are you getting my point? Seductive clothing. He says, Satan. As long as they call him Satan, or her, Satan, then she changes wearing a nice, decent suit, looking like a man of God. It's the same Satan. No difference. This time around, he starts telling you, it is your enemies that have not let you progress. The person that looks so most decent, looks like a man of God, can be the Satan in your life. Giving you counsel that are not, you know, things that are not in, order, in agreement with what God is saying. Please bear it in mind. Satan is everywhere. And what is he doing? He's canceling our prayers. You take one, seven days prayer and fasting. Then after you finish breaking your fast, you sit down and start watching television. And instantly provokes you to say things that cancels everything, all right? That cancels everything you've prayed, you've prayed by the last seven days. He says, is that really so? Ah, look at Jesus now. Satan didn't come to me while he was fasting. Is that what the Bible says? Well, he finished fasting. When spiritual energy was there, the Bible says he became hungry as a result of the fast. He wasn't hungry for 40 days. I only like to drop it. Jesus was not hungry for 40 days. So if you were hungry in the 40th hour, you know what to do. The Lord is good. That was afterwards he became hungry. Then Satan came. Satan did not respect the fact that he has just been anointed. Oh, he just was anointed. 
Heavens opened. The Holy Spirit came like a dove. No doubt in it. John the Baptist physically saw it happen. Then that same Holy Spirit entered the wilderness. 40 days. What do you think he was doing there? He was sleeping. 40 days of intense interaction with the Holy Spirit. 40 days you know, discerning what God wants him to do. 40 days of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why he was not hungry. 40 days in the presence of God. The same thing that Moses did before that. For 40 days. As soon as he finished 40 days, no one was waiting. Satan. Satan was waiting. Now that you have finished fasting, turn these stones to bread. I've seen people before thinking that as a result of this, Satan will leave them alone. When you feel most powerful is when he's most ready. When you feel most anointed. Maybe that's because that's when you are most dangerous. So he needs to undermine your authority sharp, sharp. That's when he's waiting. That's when he's waiting. Say, okay, okay, the man has finished fasting. What I'm going to say, Satan is everywhere. As soon as he finished fasting, you put on the TV. He starts trying to entice you to say what you are not supposed to say. Please, let's never forget it all. That is a problem with prayer. That's why Jesus said, men ought always. Make sure you realize it. it's an every time thing. I think one of the reasons why the Lord used to pray before eating is for us to understand that even for things as mundane as eating, it's a process of prayer that is involved. Many people cancel their prayers because the time that they are focused on prayer, they do it properly. As soon as they leave there, they don't know that's when Satan is waiting. They don't know. So let's bear it in mind. Let's not cancel our prayers. And how do we make sure we don't do that? By realizing that we are praying all the time. When you greet in the morning, it's a prayer. If you tell your wife, good morning. Tell your children, good morning. Realize it from now on, it's not a wish. What is it? It's a prayer. It's, a prayer. it's what? It's a, prayer. a prayer. Good morning is a prophecy. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's not a greeting. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. This morning will be good for you. Today will be good for you. Favor will come to you this morning. Sometimes I think we should change the way we greet people. Instead of saying good morning, say a blessed day to you. You know, the person will say amen. How are you? It's not very good. It's better to tell somebody, it is well with you. Are you getting my point? How are you is what? A question. If you must say how are you, finish it with something good. They say, fine, say, we bless the Lord. You know, join and say, use this mouth eh, to bring good, good things down. Use this mouth to bring good things down. Don't just say good morning as a habit now. Try and convert it to, you know, say good morning to you. Bless day ahead of you. Person will say amen. I hope you're getting my point here. It's called praying without what? Season. Let's continue in this series, what we want to talk about. So, now, the angle of prayer I want to bring out today is the issue of praise. Because praise is part of prayer. Once words are coming out of our mouths that are affecting things in the realm of the spirit, is prayer. We are communicating with God, is prayer. We are prophesying, is prayer. We are declaring so that earthly things will be arranged so as to conform with that which God has proposed, that is prayer. So let's start today reading from Second Chronicles chapter 20. Was that what I said earlier? Yes. Okay. Second Chronicles 20. Now, this is something that we have talked about again and again. 
different times. I just want to take time out to put many of the thoughts we have scattered here and there together into one. Um, last year, we talked about, um, we did a series, The Road of God, and I want to encourage everybody to, to try and get it. One of the messages there, where I talked about, let's talk about the Lord, is part of what I'm talking about again today. Also last year, when we were doing, when we were doing the Keep On Believing series, at the point in time, I talked about believing, receiving, and magnifying His name. It's still the same thing we are talking about. Different times that we have talked about this. You find different messages where I talked about how to magnify God. Even earlier this year, we talked about magnifying the Lord. All right? All of those things are inside um, our catalog of messages. Now, power of praise. Let's read from verse 1. Now, it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Munites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea out of Aram. And behold, they are in one long... Can you pronounce that? Okay. Hazazon Tamar. That is Engedi. <laughs> Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. Now, please, I want us to note how these people used to pray. All right? There's something about his prayer that I was reading it, and it blessed me. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers. Now, notice this. Are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? He wasn't questioning, no. He was kind of emphasizing. Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. That's praise. Somebody says that's praise. Did you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary here, there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Now, that was divine commandment. God told them, don't go to the land of the Ammonites, the people of Moab and Mount Seir, because they are descendants of Lot and um, Esau. Okay? So he didn't let them talk their land. He told them that any, if you drink their water, pay for it. Not, not where to put a foot will I give you. I've given to these people. All right? So that's what Joseph was referring to. He said that um, they did not let us invade them when we came out of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Say, see how they are rewarding us by coming out to drive us from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. He said, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we, that is now ourselves, are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, 
the son of Methaniah, the, the Levite, of the sons of Asaph. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now notice it. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great trouble that's in front of you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the uncertainties of tomorrow. For the planning is not yours, but the Lord's. <laughs> Are you getting my point? He said, verse 16, Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. So when I say go down against them, I didn't say you are going to fight. What are you going to do? Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. The reason why you are going is so, so you can watch. <laughs> why the Lord does something, alright? Do not fear or be dis- dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Joseph had bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. The Levites, from the sons of the Kohathites, and of the sons of Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. Now, they rose up, now verse 20 now, they rose up early in the morning, said, go out against them tomorrow. They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets. That is the words that the Lord has issued forth through the mouth of his prophet, and you will succeed. Now, look at what he now did. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord. Now, if you read my book, Guided by the Spirit, you will see what he did here. Based on the understanding he had, he fashioned some, some external actions. And that was the result of faith. God didn't tell him to do what he did next. He just listened to the word of God, and that bested for him certain actions that he was going to take. Bear that in mind. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord, and those who praised him in holy attire, as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, please, verse 22. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Please notice that. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies, so that they were routed. For the sons, this was what happened, verse 23. For the sons of Ammon, and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mansia, destroying them completely. Then when they are finished with the inhabitants of Mansia, <laughs> sorry I'm laughing. I just find it very funny, that's all. When they are finished with the inhabitants of Mansia, they help to destroy each other, one another. When Judah came, out, came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. Now, they did not see the fight happen. They were busy praising. <laughs> you get my point? While praise was going on somewhere else, disturbance was going on in the camp of their enemies. 
When they arrived to come and look, everybody was dead. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things that they took for themselves, more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. It's a nice story, isn't it? The Lord is good. I said something to us some time ago. We should read Bible stories again. Just get acquainted with them. Just see the way God used to do things. Now, you should get a, just get a, a, a simple version of the Bible. No, not, now, this is my personal recommendation. If you are an Elizabethan English person, you can be reading King James, an American Standard Version. Fine. But I think you should be more realistic. Bible is not poetry. It's a book written for you to read. Are you getting my point? Yes, you know, I'm one of those preachers that don't read King James Bible. I don't. Why? It was written in a language, in a language I do not speak. I'm not trying, you know, I'm not a very spiritual person. My wife found out long ago. <laughs> okay? I, I, I don't read King James. I'm not saying it's bad, though. Men, I, I mean, can I read King James alone all his life? And you know I quote him all the time. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I just I don't read it for the simple fact that it's, it's a language I don't speak. It's not much different from me reading Latin when I want to read my Bible. King James English is not a language I speak. I speak more modern English. Okay? I try to get a balance between versions that end up losing the, the depth. Because sometimes in trying to make things simple, you may lose some depth. Okay? Yes. But I have found personally, okay, a combination of New American Standard and New Living Translation is fantastic. Okay, you can use instead of daily transition, you can use good news, you can use God's word, but I like the two of them. Okay, well, I'm trying to bring out something here. Get a Bible and just read Bible stories, read them again. Do you know why? These stories read it as if you are reading history. Yes, connect with them because it's how God behaves. You need to get these stories back to your mind so that you connect with the acts of God, it's very important. So you connect with the mind of God, how God does things, how people have experienced him in the past. We find a situation here in which great trouble came upon people. You know, one of our brothers forwarded something to me the other day, just to talk about great troubles coming upon people. In fact, I was a bit tired. I said, why are you forwarding this to me? It's the same rubbish I hear people say every day. In fact, the title, why people are going abroad. Now, follow me. Let's see some things clearly. There are decisions you make, it's clear you don't believe in God. What do I mean? As far as you are concerned, and that's one of the things I want to talk about here, alright? As far as you are concerned, the future of your children is not in God's hands. God doesn't have a plan for them. Only you have a plan for them. The man wrote, he said that his children are very smart with the with the phone and tab, but his gate man's children can't do that. So that those gate men's children are already at a disadvantage. So now, so okay, imagine now, all right, the children raised their blood compared to my own children. What was he saying? The disadvantage the gate man's children have compared to his own children is that to that proportion that his own children are disadvantaged against those who are raised abroad. Why? Because he said by now they will have gone on excursion to factories. They did not just learn theory in class. They've gone open and they are, he says, so, that's how people are living. So it is considering it too. 
When I read it, I said, this is base thinking, gutter thinking, inability to conceive things that are important. Number one, statistics have shown that those early exposure to rubbish counts nothing for your future. Oh, yes, it's been shown. Expose your children from the time they are one to they are five. Expose another child from the time he's ten. He will catch up with them like this. Like this. But why, why am I talking about you don't believe in God? I see people speak. They never say, let me take my children to where they will have sound moral training. They never say it. They are not concerned at all about the spiritual environment under which those children will grow up. They are not ever concerned. I don't know what you are getting what I'm going to say here. That is the problem with God has with us. Why he can't bless us? He said, Banky, your people don't believe. They are pretending. He said, your people don't believe. They are pretending. If you really believed, when they say, ah, <laughs> say, look at it, we'll raise your children, teach them computer very well. You say, please, oh, is there, you first ask, would their teacher be teaching them that homosexuality is normal? You will ask that question. You know, if you, ask, if you bother to ask that question, you can't tell anybody all of this nonsense you are saying. Is it possible that the teacher will come one day with his husband to school? Will my son, will my daughter be able to stand up in class and worship the name of the Lord? Or will they inculcate in him that he's an accident? No purpose. Two atoms jammed each other and he appeared. Would they train him to take the name of the Lord for a vain thing? We don't ask those questions. He said he went to go and they would go and do a discussion on bridge and factory. And to you, that is what determines the destiny of a child. You don't believe anything. You know, people are very funny. They, they don't believe Jack. When I read that thing, I said, what is all this? I told my brother who followed it to me. I said, what is this? There's nothing. That is the same gutter talk stuff I hear all the time. This is a rubbish talk that everybody speaks every day. There's nothing new. There is nothing. Look, for me, I tell you, if you don't want to be a believer, don't be a believer. It's not by force. I mean, there are people joining Boko Haram. Join them. There are people kidnapping people and collecting $1 million as ransom. Join them. Seven years of prosperity. After that, police will shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) You are getting what I'm going to say here. But if you want to be a believer, please. You know, God, let me give you the word of the Lord. He does not like people who claim to be believers but who don't believe. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold. That is, God prefers you don't believe till you believe halfway. He doesn't like it. That's why he doesn't answer prayers. That's why he does not bless people. Because they actually don't believe. They don't believe. If we believed, this is what faith means. Let me tell you what faith means. Um... I want to do arithmetic, add money up. 10,000 plus 10,000 is equal to 20,000. And I have a need of 20,000. And that will meet it. Fine. Simple calculation. This is what faith means. If the need is 100,000, I say we have 10,000 without 20. That's 20. No, 10 plus 10 is 20. Oh, there's a shortfall of 80,000. No problem. We will pray about that. The Lord will send it. Are you getting my point? I, I talk about it as if is real. Spiritual things are real to me. That's what faith is. 
Do you get my point here? That is what faith is. So if I'm making projections and calculations, if I don't reflect the things that are not seen, I don't believe anything. You see what I said? If I don't reflect in my calculations things that are not seen, I don't believe anything. It's important we get this point. So when we say we are believers, please, let me just tell you, I'm begging you again, make sure you believe something. Don't just be a believer because you go to church. Your pastor is a very handsome man. And you like the way he sings when he's preaching. He entertains you like Ezekiel. You now mistakenly think you're a believer. That's, no, you're not a believer. A believer really believes. Now, why did I go into that? You see, Jehoshaphat, he had a problem. What do we do about the destiny of our children? That's what Jehoshaphat was saying. Three things came against him. People of Mansia, people of the Moabites, and then the Ammonites. And three groups, they formed a massive army against Jehoshaphat. What was the negotiation? He went to pray. Are you, are you getting my point here? And listen, he went to pray. And I like the way he prayed. He explained, Lord, what is their quarrel? You give them their land. You give the other people their own. And the third group, you give them their own too. Then you give us our own. In fact, when we're coming to collect our own, you warned us not to touch their own. And we have lived here peacefully all this while. We never coveted their goods. If you see the way Joseph was talking, it was like, God, you are the judge. Settle this matter. You own the land. Is this not our own portion? Did we take anybody's own? And I said, now they have decided to reward us for obeying you. Lord, please oh, defend us. Where else are we going to go? Listen, that is how I handle some of the things people talk about. People talk about your children and all of that. I say, what will I do? I will pray for them. And when I'm making my decisions about their lives, I make sure it reflects that I believe that somebody is listening to my prayer. I cannot claim that I believe. Yet I will be telling people that, listen, hey, listen, you know, these people that don't believe in God, who will raise my children to be atheists, will guarantee the children a better future. It shows I don't believe. Forget the fact that churches are full of Sundays. People don't believe. I think they make decisions every day. They don't believe. Joseph, look at what he did. He went to the Lord and said, Lord, you'll be the one to solve this problem. Now, you'll see what I'm trying to teach about this power of praise. First, let's look at the facts again. The word of the Lord came to him and said, listen, the whole of Judah, of course. You don't need to be afraid. There's not, no cause for alarm. The battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Now, you're going to get up, go tomorrow morning, and go and see the salvation of God. The prophet spoke, essentially, that, listen... You will not have to fight. Now, they went with an army. But on the way, Joseph said, wait, if we are not going to fight, why should, be, why, the soldiers, why should the soldiers be in front? So what did he do? He got singers and praisers to lead the war, saying that this is a spiritual battle. And what I want to bring out is what they were doing. He said, when they began singing and praising, I think it's important for us to note that the Bible tied it that when they began singing and praising. It was the time that they began to sing and to praise. Not, in the, not when they got to the battlefront. It was when they began to sing and to praise that the Lord set ambushes. The Bible says that's when the Lord scattered the camp of their enemies. Now what I want to talk about is what, what does it mean therefore when we say they began to sing and to praise. Of course, what I want to say is this. We've talked about singing before. The reason why we sing is because singing, that's my understanding of it. God gave us songs because he, he helps us with 
Remember we're talking about vain repetitions? But we said not every repetition is vain. Yeah, not every repetition is vain. So songs help us do repetitions that are not vain. Like now, you know, I finally stumbled on... Somebody gave me a, a, a disc. I finally, I now have Onisha Yano, you know, that... Uh, Nathan Lavasi. So I, I'll put it inside my CD player. I put on repeat. When I get to that track, I click repeat. So I can drive from here to UNTG to go. Onisha Yano. You're the God of awesome wonders. You know, it will play and play and play and play. But you know, somebody was telling me, Onisha, Yano, you are the God of awesome wonder. I've tasted of your mercy. What's the next line again? I've tasted of your power. Onisha, Yano, Onisha, Yano. You know, we want it like a boy. Are you all right? <laughs> are you getting my point? Okay, but Onisha, Yano, of course, it means God of wonders. Are you getting my point? God that does wonders. And the thing goes on again and again and again. And you can continue saying it again and again. We read Psalm 16 the other day. You know, we saw the chorus. You just kept on going. You are repeating the chorus again and again. If you're just uttering them, it can be tiring. But when it's a song, you can sing it morning till night. Are you getting my point? So songs are the methods by which God gave us. It's a method that God gave us. Singing is a method that God gave us by which you can give praise continually without getting tired. Now, so what happened here? The people began to sing the praises of God. And that's, to me, that's the way I'll read it. They began to sing his praises. Not as if they were singing and praising separately. But the songs they were singing were songs of praise. And it was while they were singing songs of praise that God began to work his wonders that he knew how to do. He solved their problem simply by making the great enemy use his own weapon against himself. And the result of the trial was promotion. What do I mean by result of the trial was promotion? By the time they got there, there was no enemy. What they found was what? Spoils of war. A whole army came out and took three days to gather spoils. You know, it's not every trouble that's coming against you that's meant to bring you down. Many of them are, in fact, all of them are meant to elevate you if you will do what is right. I hope you get what I say here. Troubles will come. You can't help that. The people of Mansia one day will gather against you. They will call their brothers, the people of, um, what they call it, of Moab and the Ammonites. They will gather themselves and they will come against you. It will happen. But anytime it happens, you know, you know what James said? He said, count it all joy. That's why I said we should read these stories. It will let you know that there must be something good at the end. What I've said is a matter of fact. God is saying every trouble that's coming your way, there is something good it is bringing. That is a matter of fact. But what we are discussing is that how are you supposed to handle it? Now, this is what most people do. You focus on the trouble. You know what happened to what's the name of our brother that sent and for help? And God told him, that's one of the kings of um, Judah also. And the Lord told him that, look, it's because you sent for human help. That's why these armies have escaped from you. And that's Asa, King Asa, you understand? And I said, even though that your method worked, he said, from now on, what is going to happen? You will have wars. That's, um, now, what was the problem with Asa? Asa handled it wrongly. Instead of Asa to handle it by magnifying the praise of God just the same way that Jehoshaphat did, what did he start doing? He starts arranging, let me carry my children where things will be safe. Let's read that. I think it's important for comparison's sake. So what I'm trying to teach, please, I've not even gotten there. I'm just introducing it. That's the power of praise. At least we're already seeing it manifesting here. 
the power of praise. 16, right? Good. Second Chronicles chapter 16, yes. Now, for so as to save our time, we'll just quickly get to the um, the ones that are the verses that are relevant. Now, Asa had had success for a very long time. You will see that Asa. Let me just give us a background, please, just for us to remember the story. Like I said, let's get these Bible studies right. Now, when Asa became king, he really he, he did a lot of reforms in in um, in, in um, Judah. You understand, he was a king in Judah. He did a lot of reforms. The Lord spoke to him. Verse 2. He said, listen to me, Asa and all Judah. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. And all of that. And Asa did things that were good, all right, in the eyes of the Lord. I'm trying to I'm just rush there. Verse 8 says, when Asa heard these words and the prophecy which Azariah, the son of Oded, spoke, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and all of those things. He did a lot of reforms, offered sacrifices, restored things back to order, removed influential people from the positions of power that they had. Now, the Bible now says in verse 19, as a result of all of these things, verse 19, and there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. Note that, okay? Then the 36th year, that's the problem now began. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, I mean, chapter 16, now verse 1, Basha, the king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in. How did Asa react this time? Now, we are comparing with Jehoshaphat. Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, that is the Syrian king, who lived in Damascus, saying, come and help me. I'm just trying to summarize the same time. Come and help me. So Ben-Hadad, verse 4, listened to King Asa, and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. It was Israel that was attacking him. Okay? That's northern kingdom. Now, when Basha heard this, verse 5, he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then verse 6, Asa now recovered from that immediate trouble. Now, verse 7 is what I wanted to note. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because, now notice this, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, because you have relied on human help and not on the Lord your God. Because you have relied on your own calculations and not on the Lord your God. Said, therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. What does that tell you? Listen here. Basha was attacking king of Israel. The king of Aram had a bigger army. That was the person he asked for help. Yet the king was saying here, God was saying through the prophet, that the king of Aram, his army has escaped from your hand. But that's not the person who was fighting. What does that tell you? The problems he had was supposed to solve a bigger problem that will come upon him later. I don't know whether you got that. Listen, Basha, king of Israel, would have called Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. The two of them, that is, Basha's attack was supposed to be an enticement for the king of Aram to join and then God will have destroyed the two of them, especially king of Syria, that's Aram, Ben-Hadad, so as to save them from troubles later. But instead of handling it properly, he handled it wrongly. Listen, if you handle your challenges wrongly, you will get immediate reprieve, but the bigger trouble is in front. Listen, no? if you handle your challenges wrongly, without relying on the Lord your God, you will solve the problem now. But, 
a bigger problem will be in front. Please, I hope you guys are following what I'm saying here. Because many times we have a small problem. We don't realize that that is not the real thing that God is trying to solve. Sometimes just preparing us for something bigger. Jehoshaphat had a problem, a massive problem. By the time God finished solving it, he became richer than he was before the problem came. And in that process, God wiped out three armies for him. Um, what's the name of our brother here? Asa. He had peace for 35 years. Then God wanted to lift him up to another level. God wanted him to have peace for longer. He wanted his children to have peace. So he said, all right, I'm going to allow a small trouble to come upon you. Handle it properly. Then I will solve a bigger trouble that will come upon you later. But what happened? The man did not understand that. So what did he do? He used human technology to solve his own problem. We're talking about power of praise. Please follow me. I've not lost track at all. He used human technology. Can I use that expression? I don't mean mobile phone. I mean like human arrangement. You're getting the point. He was speaking as if God didn't have power over things. Talking as if the whole of life is an accident. And therefore he quickly did an arrangement. Like this one was the, 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 the blog I was telling you about. At the end of the day, it solves an immediate problem. But this is the word of God. And stores a bigger problem up for the future. Many of the troubles, one brother, you know, the other day he came, just talking about this thing, this thing we're talking about now. I mean, I run up and down my children's future. He told me that, listen, he was living abroad. Then he encountered our messages from here. And he began to build his life on the word of God. Now, based on the truth of God that he knew, something happened and it was as if he and his wife were going to be separated. Somebody would be in Nigeria, somebody would be abroad, you know, stuff like that. And they let their wives stay and raising their children. He said, that that's not the will of God. That the will of God is my wife and my children will be with me. Yes. And as I'm in Nigeria, called his wife and said, I think we should come back home. And he said, thank God for my wife. My wife said, no problem. She packed and came back home. Listen, he told me that shortly after, God, of course, the whole family thought he had gone mental. You know, unbelieving people will think you are crazy. And that, why will you do that? Why will you do that? So shortly after, they were telling him one by one that, actually, I think you are the wise one. If I told me, he gave me a testimony, he said, now, he said, there's a word of God that you have quoted many times, that you live in houses you did not build. He said, right now, I'm living in a house I did not build. Because when people are building houses, they said, just stay there and help us look after it. Yes. They now told me the business that he was doing, that, right, that God opened doors for him. That, no, that is what God did in his life. Why? Because he took his stand and said, no, I'm going to follow the word of God. I will not follow human reasoning. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, many of the solutions people are using for problems today, it works immediately. It does not solve the problem forever. It doesn't solve it for a long time. Many of the challenges we see today, oh God, they are temporary challenges. You know, sometimes when I hear people call, what people call problems, I just feel like slapping somebody. Because sometimes when I hear something that people call problems, a man is eating, he lives in a decent house, it's his own, you understand? He lives there, he's not sharing with anybody, just him and his wife and his two children. And he's telling him that his wife is mates in America and not driving this kind of car. You know, if you were God, what do you do? You remove the car, remove the ability to drive, remove the roof, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> you, when he's sleeping, you make sure anywhere he sleeps, the roof will leak over his head. Yeah, that's what I would do if I was God, but he didn't give me the opportunity, so I'm just watching everybody. I'm just watching everybody, because I can't understand some complaints that human beings, you know, come up with. 
And the one that makes me laugh is people now prophesy evil against their own destiny. That a man in this country can never own his own house. Now, he, he, you know, when you hear statements like that, you want to call the, the foolish Galatians. Say, follow me. Do you think it's the spirit that owns this house they are building right now? You think I'm connected to the next house? Do you think it's the spirit that's owning this one? They're taking all the... You know, Enugu, we build houses like birds. Oh, in Enugu, we build houses like birds. Before one bed has finished making a nest, so I finished one house independently out. Enugu has grown at a, at a rate that when people say there's no money, I say, what are they using to build these things? <laughs> there are parts of Enugu I'll get to. Last time I came here, it was Bush. You get there now, there's one gigantic hotel and like 25 top you know, duplexes all over the place. And then, as a child of God, who opened his mouth and said, if I'm in this country, I'm not sure I can ever build my own house. If we're God, what will you do? You remove his singlet. <laughs> remove his shirt. No, honestly. <laughs> for the lack of gratitude. For limiting your power. Please, you say, you're talking the power of praise now. Get to the power of praise. You'll see what I'm saying in a moment. Because when we talk like that, we know what we're doing without realizing it. We are saying one of two things. Either our, no, one of three things. One, either our God doesn't care about us, or he doesn't have power to do anything, or he's not God. Think about it. It's one of those three things you are saying. Think about it. Either one, he doesn't have the power. Two, he does not care. Three, which is like he doesn't have the power. He's really not God. That, that's what I... See, everything you do in life, not the kind of statement you are making... That's why people pray and he does not listen. That's why they pray and he doesn't listen. He just says to the angel, say, forget the fact that she's kneeling down there. She doesn't believe in me. Say, but angel said, Lord, who is he now? Who is she now praying to now? So I just watch. The, angel, the Lord will tell the angel, so the prayer will finish when? 9 p.m. No problem. 9.30, send Ada to go and visit her. The other will come to them, will sit down, and they will not start discussing. So God said, then just sit down there and learn a lesson from the fig tree. <laughs> and they will not start talking, say, hmm. The way this country is going, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. You know what I've said? I've heard that the house of Flanagan, they've planned this one. And because of what they have planned, they are going to Islamize the whole country. Ah, no, me, I'm going to Cameroon, because the way I'm seeing Nigeria now. God looks at the angel, say, you see what I'm saying? The angel say, truly, she does not believe anything. Truly, she doesn't believe anything. Then God will open a door of opportunity. Temptation now. Temptation, just to prove a point to an angel. Say, just watch her. You know, see how the skill we have given her. She had built a business. There are three people there working right now, right? We'll give her a small door to go and be cleaning gutter in New York. Let's see whether she will go. Next is say, ah, hey, Ada. See, praise God. This door's door open. I'm going to New York. What are you going to be doing there? Uh, I heard that um, there's some place, I mean, you'll be cleaning gutter, but you'll be earning dollar. <laughs> cleaning gutter is not God's problem. His children can clean gutter. It's not a big deal. But God now sees temptation. Say, see now, this small business you are doing, you're catering, you're tailoring, you have a small school, you have something. How many people are working there? Three, okay? 
One of them married last week, and you're paying a regular salary. They're going to sack three to five people to go and do what? Clean gutter. When they say why, they say because, hmm, you don't know what the future holds, though, because of the angels. See what I'm telling you. That is, once I get to America, everything is fine. But if I stay in this Enugu, I don't know what the future holds. So what does that tell you? God is not in charge. Donald Trump is. God is not in charge of my life. You're getting my point? The environment I live in is. And listen, I have lived long enough. I've observed these things. Even practical experience has taught us is not true. Your cousin that you've been calling, why doesn't he pick your calling? That he knows why you are calling. You think he has <laughs> You think he has money? He said, if he just changes one dollar, eh? He just turned to three fifty in Nigeria. So the guy should just try and change hundred. <laughs> the guy they look you, they look like hundred dollars. If you know the amount of fasting and praying that goes into acquiring a hundred dollars, you won't ask for it. You no, know, people think that the dollar is free when you get to America. Just bend down, just pick your own portion. Put in your pocket. Go first. So you can easily get a job. You can easily get a job. <laughs> How many of you remember Yellow Man? Hey, so people, people are very young now. Yellow Man. No, now Jamaican rapper. I, what they call it? A reggae musician. He said, they, take, they give you $50 and they take by 49 Can you remember that song? <laughs> Oh God! Now, now I know that I don't old. <laughs> when we were in school, now that was the guy that was reading now. London Kuolo. Can you remember London? That's yellow man now. <laughs> That's it now. The man said they give you fifty dollars and collect back forty nine. That's what we don't realize. What am I trying to say? They don't think that you can solve your problem of demencia. Do you, do you know, by, by calling Ben Haddad. You can't. You may solve a problem temporarily, but a bigger one is waiting for you in front. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, I'm going to emphasize something here. When I'm talking about the power of praise, I'm trying to get down to it. What is praise? Let me exp- explain it now. And remember I started by saying that we should learn to praise God, pray all the time. And we're narrowing down on praise now. And what are we, we supposed to do? Praise God all the time. First of all, let me say this, and I close with it. It is not praise is not just when I raise my hands and worship the Lord. Oh, let us rise to our feet and raise our hands and worship the God, King of Heaven, God Most High, Oh, Creator of the heavens and the earth. Oh, let it Lord, we praise you. We praise you. You are high. You are mighty God. You are wonder working God. When it comes to prosperity, we are going to America. Are <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Many times we can abstractly praise. Remember, abstract praise. God that made the moon and the stars. I, I'm sorry to say it like this, Lord. I'm not taking anything from your praise. I'm trying to teach your children something. I call it abstract praise. Do you know why? The fact that he made the moon and the stars actually means nothing to you. The stars are many. Out there, there are over a hundred billion galaxies. I didn't say stars. I said what? Galaxies. Each galaxy has up to 100 billion stars. So let us assume God forgot to make about half of them. What do you concern me? What is my problem inside? 
The God that made a hundred billion galaxies, Lord, I will appreciate you just as much if you had made 10,000 galaxies. This making of a hundred billion has not increased you in my eyes. Oh, each galaxy has a hundred million stars. Lord, I worship you. I appreciate it. But in all honesty, if I just put 10,000 stars per galaxy, it will not change anything in my life. So thank you. Because they wrote in the Bible, we will read it and believe it. I call it abstract praise. It's not wrong praise. It's just that it's abstract. The Lord that made the moons that circle around Neptune. Thank you for Neptune. It's good geography discussion. But not honestly, Lord, it doesn't affect how much food I eat. It doesn't affect anything about the exchange rate of the dollar, does it? Just curiosity. I call it what? Abstract praise. When Asa, when um, Joseph was going to pray, <laughs> it was not about 100,000 galaxies, or 100 million galaxies, or 100 billion. It is that there is this army I can count. There are one million men. I have four children. They have destiny. Are you getting my point? They have to eat. They have to go to school. Everybody has come around to scare me now about what their future will be like. God, that is what we'll talk about here. All these 100 million dollars. If you can't sell anyone to pay school fees, let's not discuss it. <laughs> let's get real. Are you getting my point here? Yes. Yes. I mean, we are worshipping God. Look, sometimes some of the worship we are doing, God is just looking and saying, you try. You try. When you finish calling me all these kind of fantastic names, then you will come and exalt Europe more than me. You will exalt Europe more than me. You will say a young boy that just arrived from Europe, you look at your son, you look at your son will look like that gate man at the beginning. Are you getting my point? You're looking at him like, hey, don't worry, God will open the door for us too. You look at the other young man, you just assume that he has a blessing you don't have. Then you raise your hand and be telling me I made million stars. And you think I will be impressed? I call it abstract praise. God has made all the oceans. If you, if you had created half of the ocean, you would not have you wouldn't have been bothered. Once you have water to drink, and the earth is still moving normally, what's the big deal? I'm talking about what praises, and why we have to do these things what continually. When we open our mouths and discuss, like we're giving as an example, the destiny of our children, that's when we know whether we are praising God, or we are not praising God. That is when you know whether you are praising God, or you are not praising Him. When you are discussing the destiny, your own destiny, your life. That is when you know whether you are praising God or you are not praising God. The one I used to say as a joke, say, God that dwells in light unapproachable. No, honestly, God doesn't know what you are talking about. You because he knows you don't know what you're talking about. It's okay, come. If I was doing a light approachable, what would you have? What would you? <laughs> How would that have affected you? This light on approachable, and you will be singing it like, oh, 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 thou Lord that dwellest in the zip your mouth, and let, just call me names like God that can make sure food does not ever become scarce. That's a more, that's a more contemporary praise. Are you getting my point? That's a praise that's nearer home. And let me tell you something: when you are offering those praises, many times you're not even talking to Him; you're just talking about Him. I don't know whether you hear what I said. You're not talking to him, you're talking about him. Like that woman was saying earlier, when her friend Adar comes, 
and they start talking. If it's somebody that God really knows and says, cool, angels, come, let me show you how this girl talks. And they say, have you heard? I don't know what's going to happen in this country. Don't worry. God is in control. Have you saved up any money? For what? Sufficient unto the days, the evil thereof. What about your tomorrow? Eh, my God is in charge. What's your plan? Don't worry, I don't need those plans. God will open my door for me at the appropriate time. Say, do you know anybody? Listen, God is in charge. Whether I know anybody or not, I'm going to that office, I'm applying tomorrow. If that is the place that God said I'm going to get into, I will get, I will get in there. Whether I know people, I don't know people. My God is more powerful than the president. What do you mean? And you cover your head and you go back to sleep. You have not, oh God, I don't know whether you're getting my point. You have not prayed to him, you just talked about him. Those are the times that in Abuja, they'll start rewriting rules and regulations because you must be employed tomorrow. You are getting my point here? Those are the times, they'll start, the Ethiopian, not Ethiopian, no, that's Ethiopian Lumi, that's for Asa, for Jehoshaphat. That is when Mansia inhabitants, the Moabites, and the Ammonites will start fighting. Why? Now, you don't even, you are not present with them. That's why I was going all of these things. You're not present with them. These people were not there. They were on their way, singing. By the time they got to the lookout, battle was over. One of our brothers, very close friend of the ministry, I'm a personal friend, also my colleague now, once he was going to, he told me that he applied for a job in Luz, Lagos University Hospital. Now, I know people there. That was why I did my training. My chief is still my, you know, well, I'm still close to my chief till tomorrow, you understand? So, and she, they are the ones in charge. And I told him that, ah, you're going to, I, he knew all of this. I said, you're going to apply. Why didn't you tell me? You know what he said? He said, but you told us we don't need to need no people. I said, okay, I apologize. So, no vex. <laughs> like they say, never reach the vex. Now, this is the story. You know, this, you know the lie Nigerians like to tell themselves. It's, it's, it's from Anambra also, but grew up in Enugu, lived in Enugu. So his friends gathered and told him, you know those Biafran boys? <laughs> Just by the way, let me just educate you. Me, I've been around a bit, you understand? I, was, I grew up in Ondo State, did my schooling in the University of Benin. My classmates did thorough mix. The, the, the people from Edo in my class were not up to one-fifth of the class. The rest of us were Igbos, Yorubas, different parts of Bendel that time. Yes, I know. That's, that's, that's how my class was, you understand? That's how I met many of my friends, like Uche, Uche Chuks, you know? I've been around a bit. Okay, I've even gone to pay. I've gone to pay bride price in different parts of Nigeria. I pay bride price in um, in um, Delta State. I, I paid bride price in Ugeli side, and I went to Obo in Imo. I paid under bride price. No, I didn't marry both wives. I shared them. I took one, <laughs> gave one to my younger brother. <laughs> I've been around a bit, so let me let me let. I can tell you some things that people lie about. You know what he told him? He told him that, you know you are a Biafran. They didn't use the word Biafran. I'm just the one I didn't know. They won't take you in loose. And good enough. You see, that's one thing. God gives us his word as defense. So whether you know factual truth or not, it doesn't matter. The word of God is always a defense. He did not argue on statistics. Because if it was statistics, what they told him was a lie. But he didn't even know the statistics. He just knew the word of God. And he said, he said to them, it does not matter. God is with me. I'm talking about the praise of God. He was then in Meduguri. That's where he was. Seven. Somewhere in Bonos, they're doing NYC. So he said he called his father and said, please, help me pay for the form. And the father joined and said, no, it's a waste of money. Please now, let's make a long story short. He came down 
rushed down from the north where he was, managed to make the interview. When that was the time he now told me about after the interview. And I said, you didn't even mention it to me. He said, there's no need. After all, you told us we don't need to know anybody. You understand my point? Once you know the Lord, there's no problem. Admission time came. They went for interview. When they started admitting people, he was number one on the list. When the appointment employment came out, <laughs> he was number one on the list. Number one. All his friends now say, hey, if we knew, we will have applied to. He has now proven to them that they were living a lie. But then they shouldn't even follow him. They shouldn't. Because their spirits cannot enter the place. Their spirits is what I call the, the grasshopper complex spirit. You always die in the wilderness if you have a grasshopper complex. And usually when you try to enter the promised land with a grasshopper complex, you will still die. And that will prove to the other grasshoppers that they are all grasshoppers. Now, what am I going to say? The man said simply, he said it to me. The Bible said, those that fear the Lord speak often one to another. One to another. That's when the Lord make, that's then the Lord knows who's praising him and who's not praising him. There are those, apply for a job, you know I don't know anybody. And God says, I am nobody, as far as you are concerned. One of our brothers, I still saw him this weekend, I went to <laughs> Benin. You know how the Lord taught him a lesson? He trained, in fact, we, we still refer to it last time I was in Benin, because he, he does some coordinating things for our alumni fellowship. He said when he finished in school, then he's a doctor. When he finished in school, University of Benin was where he trained. Applied for house job. He said, I don't know anybody. That way I know people is Ilorin. So he left Benin without applying and went to Ilorin to go and apply. At least his own, I know people is not on tribal issues. He's from, uh, I think he's from Anambra State, but he grew up in Lagos. So he said he knows somebody in Ilorin. So he went to Ilorin. To go and apply. When they got to Laurie, they created the application and made him promises. Except that the promise never came to pass because there was one rule, no employment now, please wait, please wait. But that's not the story. The story was that in Benin where he did not apply because he did not know anybody. The number of applications received, let us assume it was 60. They needed 70 people. So they employed everybody apart from him because he did not bother to apply. Many of you may not remember, I used to attend Kingdom World here when he was in town. So one day after Bible said like that, we were downstairs. That's when he told me the story, downstairs here. He said, oh God, I learned my lesson. That was what God did him in. God was just watching him. You don't know anybody. I am nobody. No problem. I will show you that I rule. Are you getting my point? Yes, I rule. So while he was learning, God took everybody and closed the door. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Lord never took him. They never did. Where he knew somebody. God showed him that all those somebodies are nobodies. So next he heard that UNTH was open. He didn't care who he knew, who he did not know. <laughs> he ran, ran down and tendered his application and they employed him. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. astray. We're talking about the power of praise. That's what I'm talking about. It was while they were praising that God was causing trouble in the camp of their enemies. 
What is praise? It, look, it's not just lift up your hands, sing a song. God, the maker of a hundred million galaxies, within which galaxy there are hundred million stars, hundred billion, what did you say? Hundred billion galaxies. In each galaxy there are hundred billion stars. We worship you. Are you going to make more stars? <laughs> Keep on making stars. <laughs> Keep on making stars. As for the future of our children, it depends on Europe. Depends on North America. As for the future of our children, depends on the job I get. As for my employment, though, is who I know. But you, God of star making. <laughs> Can you see praise is like prayer? Men ought always to praise and not to get tired. Praise without stopping. Praise without ceasing. Praise without stopping. It's not only when we raise our hands. It's every time we are talking one to another. What is praise? Praise means we ascribe to God the glory that is due his name. So next time you see a Buhari win the presidency of a country, what do you do? You lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you. Because if you say to him that this is not your choice, you are saying he's not the ruler. I'd like to read this Psalm 22 again. Ever since I, I, it connected with me, it's been so exciting for me. Psalm 22. You understand what praise is? And how it, 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 it has to be continual. Oh, that's what praise is. Psalm 22. I find this one so exciting. The Lord is good. From you comes my praise. Verse 25, sorry. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before him. Now verse 28 is what is exciting me. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. For the kingdom is the Lord's and it rules over the nations. I like King James. Very beautiful. For the kingdom is the Lord's. Very nice when you want poetry. You know where to go. <laughs> For the kingdom is the Lord's and is the governor among the nations. Let's rest to our feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that is all praises, oh, my brethren. It's when we are talking to one another. It's not just when we take a song and sing it. That song must be based upon a heart that's actually praising all the time. Are you getting my point here? So that when we say Onishe Yanu, when we sing with Nathaniel Bassi, we're not just the Yanu we are talking about. Let me tell you the truth. Except you have done advanced physics, stars don't impress you. They don't impress you. But healing impresses you. Divine abundance impresses you. It does. Opening doors that men said were closed impresses you. I told the story of our brother now. Everybody said, they won't take you. You don't know anybody. You're not from the right geographical area. Then he went there. Not only was it admitted, appointed, he was number one on the list. God just gave him the spirit of Daniel. He went there with the spirit of excellence. That's what God breathed upon to take him inside there. Are you getting my point here? Let's just praise him for a minute. Now, you know the area. Just your own area. Pick your own area. Where you need to ascribe to him the greatness due his name. 
Some people say, ah, you know, I'm not fine. That's why I'm not going to marry. Are you getting my point? Stupid excuses. Just open your mouth and take the glory away from God. Ha! Huh. It's now I understand when they say he's merciful. Because I know as a human being, I know how offended I will be if people talked about me like that. Now that he has not destroyed, yes, indeed, I want to praise him and call him merciful God. Merciful God. Merciful God. Merciful God. Merciful God. For the way we have made you too small in our eyes, and yet we have not been destroyed. Merciful God. Merciful God. Repentance, that's what we bring before you today. I think you should praise God this evening. We should praise him this evening. Because of our time, let's just lift his name over this nation again in that area. Say, Lord, the kingdom is yours. Just call him by that name. Say, Lord, the kingdom is yours. You are the ruler among the nations. You are the governor among the nations. You are the governor in this nation. Nobody's agenda will come to pass in this country. Apart from the agenda of the Lord, who is the governor among the nations. Apart from the agenda of the Lord, who is the governor among the nations. Say, Lord, my prosperity is in you. It is not in any country. Say that to him. That is praise. That is praise. That is what real praise is. It is not when we lift our hands, though. <laughs> That's something we do before we lift our hands. The lifting of hands is a, an outflowing of praise that is in the heart. The songs that we sing are the outflowings of praises in our heart. It's when praise is in our heart. That those songs have meaning. Praise is how we talk to our friends. That's how we can pray all the time. And we can praise all the time. You read the news, you say, no, 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 no. no." Like I said at the beginning, Satan is everywhere. Trying to take praise away from God. Trying to say to you, that is not the source of life. No, say, no, this is the Lord. I call you the most high. You know what it means now? To be the most high. Most high is relative. When I say relative, it depends on what you are talking about. If you're talking about employment, he's the most high boss. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you're talking about open door for business or ministry, he's the way maker. He's the most high. He opens the biggest doors. Whatever it is, he's the most high. If you're talking about health, healing, he's the best doctor. That's the meaning of most high. Whatever you're talking about is the most high. Call him most high over every aspect of your life. The Holy Spirit will be bringing something up in your heart. That is what praise is about. Father, we thank you for this evening. We praise your name. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we praise your name. Let's just read this psalm together and then we share the grace and we're out of here. The one I just read just now, that's Psalm 22. All right, let's just, I want to just read from verse um, 25. I'll read 25, repeat after me. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And is ruler over the nations. For the kingdom is the Lord's. For promotion is the Lord's. For healing is the Lord's. For my destiny is the Lord's. 
For my future is the Lord's. The future of my children is the Lord's. My career is the Lord's. My destiny in every aspect is the Lord's. And is a ruler among the nations. Is a ruler over all things. Father, we give you thanks for today. We praise you indeed. Let us we live here, we continue praising you. We talk about you all the time and we praise you. We give you the glory that is due to you alone. Lord, the kingdom is yours and you are the governor over all the nations. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless somebody on your left or your right. This is your season of multiplication and dominion. Bless another person, please. Bless one more person. This is your season of multiplication. Now bless yourself. This is my season of multiplication. All right, cheer up, brethren. God bless you.